Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message. I take ears to hear. I forgive everybody of everything. And I receive supernatural debt cancellation in Jesus' name. You may be seated. Open the Bible to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. It's good to see you tonight. Psalm 103. We're going to look at verse 19. One of our text scriptures for the series we've been doing on Wednesday night. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. The kingdom of God rules over everything. We looked in the first two weeks of the series, Matthew 4, 17, how Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God. We said, what is the kingdom of God? We define kingdom as royalty, rule, reign, and realm. Daniel chapter 2, we saw that in the vision that God's kingdom conquers every other kingdom and will break every other system and cause it to pass away like the dust in the wind. We said the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are synonymous terms in the Gospels. We said the kingdom of God is the power of God. The kingdom of God is based in supernatural power. So it's not natural power, but it's a supernatural power of God. The kingdom of God is also how God operates, is how he does what he does by his power. We said God's power and his ways are far above every system, and if you operate by the laws and the mysteries of the kingdom, you will operate above every system of this world. We looked at the parable of Luke chapter 16, 1 through 8, how Jesus said that the children of that generation in the world were wiser than the children of light. What was the reason? The children of the world in that generation would work their system. They believed in their system, they believed in its laws, and they put it to practice. How much more should we as children of light, children of the kingdom, work the system or the kingdom God has given us? We define laws as a statement of fact deduced from observation to the effect that a particular natural or scientific phenomenon always occurs if certain conditions are present. We said it's a principle based on predictable consequences of an act, condition, or etc. We said it's fundamental truths that should direct our behavior. We said in the words, some laws are outright called the law of this or that, but there are also principles that can be observed and deduced. So we've looked at the law of faith, the law of love, the law of joy, the law of sowing and reaping. We looked at the law of different things. But tonight, we're going to look at the law of favor. The law of favor. So go to Psalm 5. Psalm 5, verse or stanza 12. The law of favor. Psalm 5, verse 12. For thou, Lord, will bless the righteous. Hallelujah. Thank God for the blessing. Now, what is the blessing? It is the empowerment to prosper. Now, I said, well, that's good. The righteous are blessed. Well, if you're in Christ Jesus, you are the righteousness of God. Righteousness is not something you do when we come all the righteousness of God. That's just who you are. That is your standing with God. Even when you mess up, you are still the righteousness of God. So right now, you are blessed. Say, I am blessed. I am blessed. 
Then it says, Thou will bless the righteous, then with favor will thou compass him as with a shield. So the righteous are blessed, they're empowered to prosper, but they're also surrounded or covered by favor. So I have favor. Now, this shield is not just a normal shield you just cover your face with. The shield paints the picture of a shield that covers the entire body. It's an impenetrable wall of favor. It's a hedge about you that nothing can get to you until it touches the favor first. One of the things I confess over my life is the favor of God surrounds me as a shield. Before people encounter me, they encounter my favor. So to get close to me, you have to walk through a wall of favor first. You should see your life as surrounded by favor. That it doesn't matter what you're facing. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter your situation. It doesn't matter how many haters you have. There's a wall of favor between you and everybody else. So how valuable is this favor? Go to Proverbs chapter 22. So favor surrounds the righteous as a shield. Look at Proverbs 22, verse 1. How valuable is this favor? Proverbs 22, verse 1. It says, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, or a good name is better than great riches. And loving favor... Rather than silver and gold, or loving favor is better than silver and gold. So the writer is saying, if you had an option, loving favor or a whole bunch of money, loving favor is more valuable. Loving favor is worth more. Because if you have loving favor, that silver and gold will find you. So loving favor of favor is more expensive, more valuable than silver and gold. So what is favor? Marion Repster defines it as friendly regard shown toward another, especially by a superior. Friendly regard shown toward another, especially by a superior. It's approving consideration or attention. Approving consideration or attention. It's gracious kindness. Gracious kindness. It is also showing preference. So when the favor of God is on your life, you will be shown preference. Go to Luke chapter 2, verse 52. When the favor of God is on your life, you will be shown preference. I think it was Bishop Jakes who said it, favor ain't fair, but thank God I got it. Luke 2, 52. Luke 2, 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Meaning you can have, remember, if you're the righteous, you got favor right now, so I have favor. But you can increase in favor. You can grow in favor. That means there's many levels to the manifestations of the favor of God on your life. This is something to confess. This is one of the things I confess over my daughter, at least once a day. I said, and Alexandra increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. I said, that's what you'll do. You'll increase in favor. You can increase in favor. 
Go to Genesis chapter 39. You can increase in favor. And it's not just for Jesus, it's for you too. The scripture says in 1 Samuel chapter 2 that Samuel increased in favor. I like what Jerry Savelle said. He said, the blessing of God is the empowerment to prosper. The favor of God produces the opportunities to make it happen. The blessing of God is the empowerment to prosper. The favor of God produces the opportunities to make it happen. Y'all want me to say that one more time? The blessing of God is the empowerment to prosper. The favor of God produces the opportunities to make it happen. So yes, you are blessed, you are empowered to prosper, but if you have no opportunity to put that blessing to work, that blessing is not much good to you. But the favor of God that's on your life will give you opportunities for that blessing to work. So Genesis 39, verse 21. The story of Joseph. Now, Joseph was 17. He was his father's favorite. So there's trouble in the house. When he studied the lineage from Abraham, there were some, although they were blessed, they had family issues. And one of the things, if you don't address family issues in one generation, it'll keep going to the next one and to the next one. It'll keep growing. So Abraham had Isaac, and Isaac had Jacob and Esau. Isaac loved Esau. Rebekah loved Jacob. Favoritism. In that sense, caused the house to divide. They hated each other. Esau wanted to kill Jacob. Now, you would think Jacob would learn the lesson. Jacob ends up having 13 kids, 12 boys, one girl. Joseph was his favorite child. And because he had favoritism toward that way, it caused his house to divide. Now his 10 boys, because the other one wasn't born yet, hated Joseph and wanted to kill him. And so as a result, they took him and threw him in the pit. One son at least had enough sense to say, oh, okay, well, I don't want to kill him. So let me go and tell him, I'm going to rescue him at night and take him back to his father. But the other 10 were a little more entrepreneurial. So they said, we're going to sell him into slavery. You think you may have some family issues. They threw this boy in a pit, left him there, and when he thought, okay, practical joke's over, rope's coming down the hole, fine guys, let me out of here, you're now a slave. You've gone from favorite son in a prosperous house to a slave with no rights and no nothing in a country you've never been to, more than likely speaking a language that you don't understand. But he goes there. He says, the Lord is with them, and everything he says his hands to do prospers. To the point that although he was a slave, he ruled the house where he lived. See, it doesn't matter what people call you. It just matters that God is with you. And it said he had so much blessing on his life that Potiphar, who was his master, did not know anything that was going on in his house except what he ate. Joseph was in charge. He was blessed. He's probably finally just beginning to get over what his brothers did to him. Then all of a sudden, Potiphar's wife, Mrs. Potiphar, I heard a preacher call her Hotifer. 
looked at Joseph and wanted him because Joseph was good looking. He was good looking. He was young. She wanted him. And every day it said she went after him. Not once, not twice, every day laid it on thick. But Joseph had integrity. He loved God. He even said, how can I sin against God and how can I sin against your husband who's shown this kindness to me? And so one day she set up the perfect trap. She had the whole house empty, grabbed his clothes. Come on, sleep with me. Wow, no chill. Talk about Becky with the good hair. He ran away, she took his cloak, and she had faced the final insult. So she lies, says that Joseph tried to rape her. Potiphar is furious, takes him and throws him in the political prison. So we pick up in verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him what? And the sight of the keeper of the prison. What did this favor do? And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. And the keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand. Because the Lord was with them, and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. So wait a minute, he's a prisoner. The prisoner doesn't have any rights. Joseph's in charge of the prison. Walking in and out of his cell. Telling all the other prisoners what to do. Why? Favor. So Joseph is in the prison for two years. He's been forgotten about. He's down in the dungeon. But Pharaoh has a dream. So go to chapter 41, verse 37. Pharaoh has a dream. And the dream interpreted, God gives Joseph the interpretation. Because you know you're desperate when you have to go to the dungeon and get your answer. So he comes out of the dungeon, tells what the Lord is saying. There's going to be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. Now, where do you think the seven years of plenty came from? Think about it. Egypt is a heathen nation. They don't serve God. The only blessed person in that nation is in the dungeon. See, God can bless a nation for one person's sake. See, he knew the covenant people had left faith. Jacob and his house weren't following God. They were a hot mess. You read in the the, uh, chapters before that, all the stuff they were doing, they had gone crazy. There's no way provisions coming to them. But there's one man in a dungeon that God had favored, that God had blessed. And because of the blessing on his life, seven years of plenty had to come to a nation to set up God's purpose for the man of God and his family. And so, Joseph interprets the dream, and they say, well, what should we do about it? He gives them a plan. It's picking up with verse 37. And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh, and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, for as much as God has showed you all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. You shall be over my house, and according unto your word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. 
And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have met, set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him to ride in the second chariot, which he had. And they cried before him, Bow the knee. And he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. Now, why did Joseph get all this? Was it because he could interpret dreams? Because he has wisdom? That's part of it. But Acts chapter 7, verse 9 and 10, it says, And the patriarchs moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt, but God was with them and delivered him out of all his afflictions and gave him favor and wisdom in the sight of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he made him governor over Egypt and all his house. The favor of God took him from the dungeon to the palace. The favor of God can exalt you out of situations. I remember I was preaching along these lines in Argentina. And it was my first time in the country. I only had a few minutes to preach. We were before, we were on a mission trip, and we were doing business principles. And the person on the trip, I said, just give me five minutes to preach this message. I just need five. They said, okay, you can have those five. So I stood up. It's the largest church in the nation. And I began to talk about Joseph. And I began to talk about the blessing of God and the favor of God. And I said, although you may have been in a pit in your life, Although you may have been to the prison, but when the favor of God comes upon you, it will take you to the palace. And I said, it's palace time for your life because of the blessing and the favor of God. So you don't have to stay in the pit any longer. You don't have to stay in the prison any longer. You can decree God's favor and make your life palace time. The favor of God lifted him. Go to Exodus chapter 3. It doesn't matter how far down you think you are. I heard it say before, one day of favor is worth a thousand days of labor. Favor can get for you that you can't even get in your own ability. Favor can acquire things for you you can't even work for. Exodus chapter 3. Favor can cause people to sell you things that aren't even on sale. I was listening to a testimony Jerry Savelle was sharing, and he was saying that this couple who had followed his ministry, part of his ministry, had partnered with them, and they were believing for a house and believing for favor, and for some reason, they're in a neighborhood, and they saw this beautiful house, and they walked up to the house, they saw the owners, hey, is this for sale? No, it's not. Okay, well, you would take down my number just in case you ever decide to sell it? And they said, well, we, this is our dream home, this is what we built, we're never planning to sell it. Okay. Next week, they call him and says, you know what? I, we just can't get you off of our mind. Okay, good to know. And then a couple of weeks go by. Someone else approached them and offered them because they said, this house is appraised for $1.1 million. But when the economy fell, we know we can't get that amount, but we just want to let you know what it's worth. He said, okay. They called back and said, well, someone offered us $900,000 for the house. It's not for sale, but we're not going to take it. Okay, so the guy called the family back. He said, I'll offer you $700,000 for it. Wait a minute. Why do you think we would take your offer for $700,000 when we won't even receive nine hundred? dollars This house is worth more than $1.1 million. Okay. 
They called back because they found out that he was a minister. And they said, you know what? We're going to take that offer. We like the idea that a preacher will live in our house. He said, we had built this house. It was our dream house. But we housed missionaries in it from time to time. We knew this house was meant for a man of God, so we guess it's for you. It wasn't for sale. Expand your faith for a second. See, come on, we talked about the law of confession last week. You know what belongs to you by faith. You should start walking by buildings and calling them to you. I was running a few miles this morning, I passed by some land. I don't know what I was going to do with this. So I started, hey, why don't you come to me? It's a couple acres. And I had her, what are you going to do with this? I said, I don't know, we'll come to the kingdom, something. We'll find something to do with it. Exodus chapter 3, verse 19. Look what God is telling Moses. And I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not by a mighty hand. What happened? Another king who didn't know Joseph and didn't know Joseph's God arose. Some historians say there was a dynasty change. Another dynasty came in and took it, and they began to oppress the people of Israel. They enslaved them. They tricked them. They took what they had, and they did evil towards them. And God is saying, he won't let you go unless I put up a fight. And I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst thereof, and after that, he'll let you go. So I will judge Egypt, and then they'll let you go. But notice what he says in verse 21. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall come to pass that when you go, you shall not go empty. Wait a minute. They had worked as slaves for 400 years. God said, I will make sure they're paid up for everything they and their ancestors lost. Favor can restore unto you what was taken from you and what your ancestors lost out on of. But every woman shall borrow of her neighbor. And her that sojourns in her house jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment, and he shall put them upon your sons and your daughters, and you shall spoil the Egyptians. Go to chapter 12. Chapter 12. Verse 35. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses. And they borrowed. That word borrow doesn't mean, hey, can you loan it to me? It means to inquire. It also means to demand. So think about this. One, before this year, they were slaves. Think about it. Let's put it in American context. The slaves of the South walking up to the plantations owned by their master, knocking on the door, give me your money, give me that suit you bought last week, give me those dresses your wife was wearing, I want the money, I want the gold, I want the silver. Impossible. But God gave them favor. You would think they just hate them because they're slaves, but beyond that, they should hate them because God destroyed their empire. You may think, I don't want to see you again. But they open the door, hey, good to see you. What do you want? 
Sure, I'm not going to wear these outfits. You know what? This necklace is better on you in the first place. That doesn't make sense, but it doesn't have to make sense. Favor can cause things to happen in your life you can't explain. The favor of God manifests. All you can say, well, it's the favor of God. Well, what else you got to say? Talking tongues is all you can do to explain it. The favor of God caused them to get all the riches of Egypt. And when it was done, it said they had spoiled the Egyptians. That was a wealth transfer. One of the ways the wealth transfer is going to happen in these end times will be by the favor of God. Go to Esther chapter 2. Because it said in verse 36, they gave unto the children of Israel all that they required. Could you be missing out on things in your life because you're not requiring them to happen? Because you're not using the law of confession. That you're just letting whatever happens happen to you. Well, okay, sarah, sarah, whatever will be, will be. And you're just going through life. But you haven't opened your mouth in faith and demanded something. Not demanding of God because he's already given you everything. Demanding of Satan to let go what belongs to you. It's yours. Why are you going to let Satan keep it? You need to open your mouth and say something. Esther chapter 2. Is that enough for the book of Esther? This is what's in modern-day Iran, ancient Persia. There are Jews living there because they have been deported from their homeland after their homeland's been destroyed. So there's this young girl named Hadassah. Her parents had died. So her older cousin, Mordecai, adopts her, raised her from a little girl. So you look at verse 8. Because the king deposed of the queen, kicked her out of the palace. Now he needed a new queen, long story short. And so they came up to him and said, hey, we got an idea. It's a very ancient reality TV show. Send out all these recruits. They'll find the most beautiful women of the land. The most beautiful unmarried women, most beautiful virgins, and have them become part of your harem. And so the king liked that idea. I'm sure he did. And so they, they all came to the king's palace. And Esther, whose Jewish, name was Mordech, whose Jewish name was Hadassah, was brought to the palace as well. So it came to pass when the king's commandment, his decree was heard, and when many maidens were gathered together in Sushan, the palace to the custody of Haggai, that Esther was brought also into the king's house to the custody of Haggai, keeper of the women. And the maiden pleased him, and she obtained kindness of him. Sounds like favor. Notice what it said. And he speedily gave her things for a purification with such things as belonged to her and seven maidens, which were meet to be given her out of the king's house, and he preferred her and her maids to the best place of the house of women. He meets her. The favor of God hits him, gives her whatever she needs quicker than everybody else. Then says, here's the best place to live in the palace. And not only that, I'm giving you a crew to help you. Because they had a year process to go through before they could meet the king. 
Summing up, it was a year of spa treatments. All they had to do for a year was go to the spa. Some of you ladies say, yes, Jesus, come on, make it happen to me. That's all they did for a year. And she had employees. Esther had not showed her people nor her kindred, for Mordecai had charged her that she should not show it. And Mordecai walked every day before the court of the women's house to know how Esther did and what became of her. Now, when every maid's turn was to go to King Asherah's after they had completed 12 months. So Esther goes, you skip down a few verses. So Esther goes to meet the king. But verse 14, in the evening she went and on the morrow she returned to the second house of the women to the custody and the king's chamberlain, which kept the concubine. She no more came into the king except the king delighted in her that she would call by name. Now when the turn of Esther, the daughter of Abihel, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her for his daughter, was come to go into the king, she required nothing but Ohagai, the king's chamberlain, the keeper of the women appointed. And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all them that looked upon her. Everybody who saw her experienced the favor of God. She's encompassed, clothed with favor. Psalm 512. Everyone who looked at her ran into favor. The king sees her, and she has favor in his sight. And she says, that's the one who I want to be queen. She goes from being an orphan to the queen of an empire. Because of the favor of God. See, the thing is, she could not fulfill her purpose without favor. You cannot fulfill the call of God on your life without the favor of God. See, Joseph was in a dungeon, but he belonged in the palace. Esther was outside of the palace, but she belonged on the throne. The favor of God had to get them to that place. Men couldn't explain it. Men couldn't do it. But the favor of God can take you exactly where you need to go. So go to chapter 5. The favor of God positioned Esther to fulfill her destiny. So now she's the queen. But one of the things about the Persian Empire at this time was although she's the queen, although she has royal power, although she has royal authority and she has favor, you can't just go see the king anytime you want to. The only time you can go see the king is if the king called for you. And so if the king didn't call for you and he went into his throne room and he didn't extend the golden scepter, you would be killed. That was the rule. So there are people who just never saw the king. They may work in the palace, but unless he called for them, they would never see him. And so there's an evil, wicked Haman that lives in the palace. He hates the Jews. He's like a Hitler. He comes up with a plan because he's jealous of Mordecai. He wants Mordecai dead. He wants all his race dead. So he comes up with a plan. He gets the king to sign off on it. He hides different facts about it. He says there's some people all throughout the empire. They always cause you and your provinces trouble. So let your servant take care of it. Give me, a, give me permission on this day to kill them all. See, Satan's been trying to kill the Jews since the beginning because he knew Jesus was going to come through them. But in addition to that, if he can wipe out the Jews, he can wipe out the plan of God. So Haman has permission to do it. Mordecai finds out about it and goes to tell Queen Esther. 
And she says, what am I so supposed to do about it? I can't go talk to the king anytime I want to. If I go in there, I may die. Mordecai replies with these famous words, who knows, you may have been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. He says, but if you don't stand up for God's plan, God's salvation for the Jews will come from somewhere else, but you and your house will perish. So Esther goes, well, I'll go see the king, and if I die, I die. So she said, Mordecai, you go get all the Jews that live in the city, and you tell them to fast to pray for me these three days. And then after that, I'll go talk to the king. So chapter 5, verse 1. Now it came to pass on the third day that Esther put on royal. They tell us that's her, her royal apparel, but she put on royalty, another translation says. She wore her queenly robes all the time. She put on her destiny. She put on her purpose. She had enjoyed being queen and all the benefits of being queen, but the reason for her position, the reason for her exaltation had arrived, so she put on her purpose. She put on her favor. And she walked into the throne room of the king. The king sees her, extends the scepter. Come on, Esther, what do you want? I'll give you anything up to half my kingdom. Remember, this guy ruled most of the known world at that time. He offered her half the empire, the favor of God. She had a plan. She worked the plan. The king kept showing her favor. Haman was taken care of as well as all his house and all those who tried to kill the Jews because one person stepped up in their purpose and walked in favor. God delivered his people. The favor of God will position you to fulfill your destiny. You need the favor of God. It's like Genesis 50, 20, what it said of Joseph, that although you meant it for my evil, God turned it for my good and saved many alive. Go to Psalm 44. Psalm 44. Verse 3. For they got not the land in possession by their own sword. Neither did their arms save them, but by the right hand and thine arm and the light of thy countenance, because thou had a favor unto them. Let's talk about Israel taking the promised land. He said they didn't get everything just because they were good fighters. They got the entire promised land because you gave them favor. Favor caused you to have victories in battles you fight, but favor also caused you to receive things you didn't have to fight for. It's the favor of God. Go to Daniel chapter 1. Favor will grant you victory in battles you fight, but it will also give you victory in battles you won't have to fight. Daniel chapter 1. Daniel is another person who's been deported from his homeland. He's living in modern-day Iraq in Babylon. By this time, he's about 15. He's about a sophomore in high school. Verse 8, Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. He gave him favor in his sight. Because 
The prince had these specific rules from the king. You must give these boys this. They must eat this. They must do this. And at the set time, I will reveal them. And whoever is the best will get positions in my empire. And so he goes to the king and says, hey, I don't want to eat all this crazy food you're giving us. Because one, we can't eat it because of what it is. And two, you sacrifice it to your gods. So he says, here's what I want. Give us vegetables and water. Now, it's not like this is some type of special diet that's anointed. It was just what was available that was acceptable to what they could eat. So it's not like God's recommending you become a vegan, become a vegetarian. He didn't say that. This was just what was that you can have that's acceptable for how they ate. And the prince replied to them, says, whoa, why should I get killed? Because you don't look as good as the rest of them. That you look skinny and scrawny, you look like you're about to die, and then they're going to say, well, you know, it's this guy's fault. He didn't give him the food, and then he's going to kill me. He said, give me 10 days. He says, fine, the favor of God allowed him this opportunity. And he put him to the test. So after the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends were stronger than the rest of them. And so he says, okay, whatever you want to do. So the favor of God changed policy for the man of God. The favor of God will change policies for your benefit. Yes, they may have policies, they may have rules, but the favor of God will change it so that you can prosper. And the favor of God set up Daniel and his friends for promotion. Luke chapter 1 verse 30, we learn that Mary found favor with God. That's why she was afforded the opportunity to be the mother of the Son of God. The favor of God will afford you opportunities that no one else can get. When we look at Acts chapter 2, verse 47, how the gospel was growing, it says the apostles had favor with all the people, and as a result, God added to the church daily. The favor will cause the gospel to go forward and the church to increase. So we know what the favor of God is. One of the things I took from Jerry Savelle's website, 10 benefits of the favor of God, is says favor produces supernatural increase in promotion. It says, favor produces restoration of everything that the enemy has stolen from you. Favor produces honor in the midst of your adversaries. Favor produces increased assets, especially in the area of real estate. Favor produces great victories in the midst of great impossibilities. Favor produces recognition even when you seem the least likely to receive it. Favor produces prominence and preferential treatment. Favor produces petitions granted even by ungodly civil authorities. Favor causes policies, rules, regulations, and laws to be changed and reversed to your advantage. Favor produces battles won, which you won't even fight because God will fight them for you. It's what the favor of God does. So now we know what the favor of God is. We see what the favor of God does. How do I increase in this favor? Because we all have favor right now, but we may not be seeing this level of manifestation in our life which lets us know we need to increase the favor and work this law of favor. So go to Proverbs chapter 3. How do I increase in favor? Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart Keep my commandments. Number one, be a person of the word. Number one, be a person of the word. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. 
Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thy heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. So number one, be a person of the word. Number two, that word, let not mercy, is let not kindness. So be a person of kindness. Number two, be a person of kindness. This word truth also means trustworthy or be faithful. So number three, be faithful. Number one, be a person of the word. Number two, be kind. Number three, be faithful. Look at chapter 8, verse 32. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 32. Now therefore hearken unto me, O ye children, for blessed are they that keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise, and refuse it not. Blessed is the man that hears me watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. For whoso finds me finds life and shall obtain favor of the Lord. So we already looked at being a person of the word, but number four, you need to do the word. If you're a person of the word, you're not only just reading the word, you're making time to hear the word. You prioritize the word. You're coming to church on a Wednesday night, you prioritize the word. You listen to the word throughout the week. You read the word every day. So number one, be a person of the word. Number two, be kind. Number three, be faithful. Number four, do the word. Then we looked at Luke 2.52 before. Jesus increased in favor with God and man. One of the things you need to do is walk with God. Have a relationship with him. So number five, have a relationship with God. Not just a Sunday relationship, not just Wednesday when you open your Bible. Actually spend time with him throughout the day. Number six, we looked at the law of confession last week, still applies to this. Confess favor. You need to confess favor. Favor should be coming out your mouth. Not nobody likes me. I'm too this, I'm too that, I'm too old, I'm too young, I'm too fat, I'm too skinny, I'm too black, I'm too white, I'm too this. Confess favor. Work the law of favor through the law of confession. It's one of the things, you know, growing up here in Jerry Savelle and Kate McVeigh, preach about the blessing of favor. It's part of my meditation. So I began to say things like, I'm God's favorite. And anytime I said that, I realized later my confidence would arise. If I was saying that on a normal basis, no matter what would come my way, it wouldn't bother me. It's like, hey, I'm God's favorite. He loves me. What do I mean by God's favorite? He's prone to show favor to me. You are God's favorite. He wants to show favor to you. And so I said it, especially going throughout high school and college. And, you know, it just got me so bold. I go up to teachers, I'm your favorite student. Like, who says that? They'd give me extra credit for no reason. I talk about, I would get extra credit for the most random things. I would just ask. One time I had, uh, was in senior year, and I was hanging out with family, saying, hey, I have to go to see this drama production because I'm getting extra credit for it in three classes. I wasn't even in drama. <laughs> and so I got to college, and there was another drama production, and someone in our class was seeing it. It was a math course. And I said, hey, professor, don't you think it's a good idea for us all to support the drama department here at the school? You should give us, like, extra credit for going to see it. You know what? That's a good idea. Whoever goes to that play will get extra credit. And the students looked at me and said, whatever Carrick says, that's what we're going with. <laughs> it was just favor. Adam confessing favor. 
Now, growing up, confessing favor, I would say I have favor with pastors, churches, and ministries. The favor of God that's upon me causes people to receive the word of God that's upon my lips. I've been saying that for years. And so especially when I go places, for a while it would kind of surprise me. Some people knew who I was in my family and other people didn't. So I'll go to places and these ministers, people who've been in ministries for decades, will just come and talk to me and pour wisdom to me. They wouldn't even know my name. They said, it seems like you just stood out to us. So I would meet Oral Roberts and Kenneth Hagen. Claudio Frazon in Argentina. Pastor's the largest church down there, pouring into my life. Hey, what do you need? Then the, all these preachers say, hey, take whatever product you want from a book table. Frazon did the same way. Mark Barclay said, hey, whatever you want from the table, take it. It is yours. Brother Copeland, Sister Copeland, Pastor Dollar. All these people just pouring into my life as favor. And I asked the Lord at one time, Ron, Rick Renner, another one, Mark and Trina Hankins. All these people, Tim Story. And I would ask the Lord, I said, why do I have such favor with him? He said, don't you remember what you've been saying since you were 14? I'm like. And it's afforded me opportunities to learn from generals of the faith. And so I have one of the things I've been saying since I was a teenager, I added. I have favor with presidents, kings, queens, prime ministers, dictators, law officers, and men of influence. So why with dictators? They may hate America, but they're going to love me. So you may go to countries that most of the time we're not welcoming. Oh, care, come on in. We want to hear you preach the gospel. They don't have to be Christian. I got favor. It's like what Marilyn Hickey would say. She's like, Muslims love me, and I love Muslims. So she would go to Muslim countries where Christianity is banned, but they wanted to preach. She preached that word of faith sometime in the last few years, and while she was up there, the largest um, mosque heard she was there, and they asked her to come preach in the mosque and have a healing meeting in the mosque. Favor. She's been confessing favor. So I remember one time a number of years ago, my wife and I were at a theme park, and we're at the front waiting for a ticket to be processed, so it was taking a long time. And I had just came from a week before, two weeks before that, having lunch with Jim Hockaday. And he was teaching us to work the different laws of the kingdom and to confess different things and meditate on things. And so I was meditating on the favor of God. Just going over the scriptures in my heart, saying on my breath about the favor of God. And I have favor. The favor of God surrounds me as a shield. Before people bump into me, they bump into my favor. That's what I was me meditating on, thinking, and saying. It's practicing this law out loud. It took a while for them to process what they're processing. And so by the time we went in, in this theme park, they had a safari. And so to get on the safari ride, you have to be there at a certain time because it's going to close early. And so we walked up to the ride, and it said a two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour wait. And we knew if we didn't go then, we wouldn't see the safari all that day, and we had to leave the next day. And so I was turning to Raquel and said, hey, do you want to wait two hours? Before I could finish the sentence, someone walked up and said, hey, would you like two tickets to the front of the line? Well, yes, I would. <laughs> so we went to the front of the line, didn't have to wait. Then there was another ride we were about to go get into, and someone said, hey, we got two tickets to the front. Don't y'all want them? Yes, we do. It happened all day long. To the point, I got kind of confident. So I got in the one ride. I'm sitting there in line. It's not even a long line. It's just 20 minutes. That's pretty good for a theme park. Sitting there, where's my tickets? All of a sudden, people said, hey, do you two want some tickets? 
So we get on this ride. For whatever reason, it decides to break down while we're on it. We're sitting with another family. We're laughing, telling jokes, having a good time. The family had two kids. Hey, we're done for the day. But there was one ride we couldn't get on because I had a long wait, and it was a new ride. They said, hey, but we got tickets in advance at this time to go on the ride. Would you like to go on that ride front of the line? Sure we would. We did not wait one time. What was that? The favor of God. So before I go on vacation, you know I'm meditating on favor. Favor gets you upgraded on flights. The favor of God will get stuff that you couldn't get on your own. It'll work with the small and it'll work with the great. The favor of God always works. And when it manifests, open your mouth and say, that was the favor of God. Because when you do that, it'll increase. Keep, be favor-minded. You are God's favorite people. He loves you. He wants to show you favor. So believe in it, walk in it. It's a law of the kingdom. And we said the kingdom rules over all. The favor of God is above anything else that can happen in any other system. So you could be in a situation everybody hates you. That doesn't matter. You got favor. Your boss may hate you, but promote you anyways. They, say, they may even say, I don't even like you. I don't know why I'm giving this to you. You just receive it. Well, hallelujah anyhow. Walk in favor. It's for you. Because if you don't walk in favor, you'll live less than God's best. The favor of God always works. It's part of you receiving your harvest. One of the things I remember a number of years ago was at church, and tongues and interpretation came forward, and Bishop Interpreter said, you need to say every day, the favor of God goes before you and calls your harvest to come to you speedily. So I say that. The favor of God goes before me and calls my harvest to come to me speedily. Now, harvest can manifest in different ways. I talked about a couple weeks ago how you can go places and the exact item you want is on sale. And it's only in your size or whatever, what you're looking for. So the first lady was going to the store the other day, and there was a specific item she had looked for. She went to pick it up, but for whatever reason, just that one item was more than half off. I said, well, that's a return on our giving. Go ahead and go ahead and get it. We were already going to buy it, but we didn't have to spend as much money. Favor of God. The favor of God surrounds me as a shield. Before people encounter me, they encounter my favor. The favor of God goes before me and prospers my way. The favor of God goes before me and causes men and women to go out of the way daily to bless me in every way possible. Be favor-minded. Keep favor in your mouth. You should say, the blessing of God that's upon me empowers me to prosper. The favor of God on my life produces the opportunities to make them happen. My steps are ordered by the Lord, and the Holy Spirit will lead me and direct me this day and cause me to be at the right place at the right time so I can seize my opportunity. We have to be favor-minded so we can be opportunity-minded. Because the Holy Ghost will lead us to opportunities, but sometimes we don't take the opportunities because, as Thomas Edison says, they're dressed up in hard work. God will lead you to opportunities that you're going to have to work. You're going to have to apply yourself. You're going to work your gifts, work your land, cultivate what God's given you. But it will lead to your benefit. So be favor-minded. Look for opportunities. The Holy Ghost will lead you and show you which opportunities to take, which opportunities to pass on. Be favor-minded and thank God every day for favor. Last thing, thank God for favor. Thank God for 
favor. And watch it manifest in your life. Amen? Well, stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Say, the blessing of God on my life empowers me to prosper. The favor of God on my life produces the opportunities to make it happen. I have favor with God, man, and government. I have favor with presidents, kings, queens, prime ministers, dictators, law officers, men of influence. The favor of God that's upon me causes things to change for my benefit. The favor of God goes before me and prospers my way. The favor of God goes before me and causes men and women to move out of the way daily to bless me in every way possible. The favor of God goes before me and causes my harvest to come to me speedily because I have need of it for my sake and the sake of the gospel. I have great favor. It surrounds me as a shield. Before people encounter me, they encounter the favor of God. And Father, I thank you for the favor of God. Go ahead and thank him for the favor of God. Father, we thank you that you favor us. Father, I thank you that you favor us. I didn't even tell the testimony in the message, but I have favor with politicians. Both sides of the aisle. Both of them. I don't even know why, but they like me. I know why I've been confessing favor. So they move out the way and do stuff for me, not just because I'm a pastor in Smyrna, even beforehand. I've met presidents, senators, Congress people. The favor of God. I can't even explain it because it's the favor of God. I was doing one trip for one of the classes, and one of the things when I was in Oklahoma, you had to go to the state senate house for something or other. So I just went because it was a field trip. Was something to do that day. You live in Tulsa, you look for something to do. And so we went, and there's nothing business-wise I had to do. So I was standing there watching them conduct business, and I was looking at the personalities on the senate floor. I said, you know what, I want to meet that person. I want to meet that person. So I did. Taking pictures, send me the pictures in the mail, emailing me, how you doing? One of the things I did while I still lived in that state, I had contacts up to the governor's office. And I was just a student at a university. The favor of God. The favor of God changes everything. So don't think, well, I'm this, I'm that. Just think you're God's favorite. That's what you got to do. And watch things work out for you. Every head bowed, every eye closed in prayer. I hope you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked him into your heart, you've never made him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. 
we ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.